It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hap happiest season of all. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the hap happiest season of all. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and... Wait a minute, scary ghost stories? You know, my Christmases growing up were a lot different, probably, than a lot of people. But, you know, I, I don't recall anybody ever telling any scary ghost stories and... What's that got to do with Christmas? Or, you know, if I think of scary ghost stories, I'm thinking about, you know, when you're camping or you're just sitting outside at night in the backyard around the fire pit or around the bonfire and somebody would tell a scary ghost story. But what's that got to do with Christmas? Man, I, I don't know about that. Or how about this one? Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly, fa la 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 la. Down we now our gay apparel. I I don't think I have anything that I would consider gay apparel. You know, I used to have a pink shirt. I don't think I even have that anymore. And I I, I don't know. You know, when I was growing up, you know, back in the 60s, when you're going to school, uh, you had what we consider button-down shirts. Uh, and in the back, some of them had that little loop, you know, in the middle between your shoulder blades. I don't know what that's called, that thing that goes across there. But they had that little loop thing, and they would call that, well, that's a fairy loop. And so, you know, all the guys who would cut that out, they would want that fairy loop on their shirt. And even in the the most wonderful time of the year song, you know, the gay happy meetings. I don't know. Times have changed. Now, both of these songs were written back when the term gay uh, was much different than it is now. Uh, Deck the Halls was written in the 1860s. I'm not sure about the most wonderful time of the year song, but it was when gay had a different meaning. It was more like, you know, happy, carefree, you know, whatever. And it wasn't like today, but times change in a lot of ways and with a lot of things. But praise God. We look at something that's never changed, and that's the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you are our God, and you are the same God today as when Jesus walked the earth, when Moses parted the Red Sea, when you created the earth as it is today, and billions of years before that. And you will be the same billions of years from now. And we thank you for that. And your word is the same. Uh, 
we can make it relate to anything that we go through. And so, Father, help us to look at your word today and to see what you got for us. You know, maybe something new, maybe something uh, old that we just need to have our minds refreshed. So, Father, help us to be ready. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Normal. What is that? Well, Merriam-Webster says it's conforming to a type, standard, or regular pattern, characterized by that which is considered usual, typical, or routine. Okay, uh, you know, some people have said with all this pandemic stuff going on, you know, I just can't wait for life to get back to normal. Well, my normal is going to be different than your normal. And so, you know, I, I may not want life to get back to your normal. Uh, and maybe I don't even want to get back to my normal. You know, I want it to be better than what it was before. So, you know, what is normal? Well, it's a setting on the dryer. Okay, I think there's a setting on there, you know, for normal drying times or material or whatever that means. But how does the Bible look at normal? Well, normal is only found in, in newer Bible versions. If you look in the King James, you won't find it. But let's look at some normal, not normal things in Scripture. Okay, the book of Malachi, or as I like to call it, the book of Malachi, the Italian prophet, uh, which really isn't true. And First and Second Chronicles were written around 430 B.C. And then nothing for over 400 years. We find no writings of any kind. Hmm. Was God on vacation? Was nobody listening to what he had to say? Or they thought what he was saying just wasn't really worth writing down? Or was nobody listening for him at all? And so we have to kind of try to to figure that out. Um, but we need to, to see if we can kind of get some sense of what what happened. Well, you know, somebody may have said, you know, I, I think maybe God spoke to me in a dream last night or, you know, maybe it's just that curried goat that I had. Or, you know, I I think I I either heard God or, I don't know, it was just the, the wind or, you know, the, the neighbor's chickens that I heard or, you know, I, I, I don't know. So what happened during that time? Was God really being silent or was there no one hearing from him? In other words, was there no one God maybe wanted to speak to? So what happened in that time between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Well, the Bible scholars 
over the years have come to many conclusions and made many claims. But there's writings by other men that give us history during that time. And this time, they of course had to put a, a label on it and they call it intertestamental period between 433 and 5 BC. Well, I'm sure that a lot happened during those 400 years that really set things up for Jesus to be born because it was important that the Roman Empire was in charge of things. And they had taken over Jerusalem approximately 63 BC. And, you know, all these things needed to, to line up so the birth of Jesus would come in the way that it needed to. <coughs> so it was all leading up to the New Testament. And what we read is the first person that God went to was Zechariah. Okay, Zechariah was a Jewish priest. He was a member of the priestly order of, order of Abijah, Abijah. And he was married to Elizabeth. And by lot, Zechariah was chosen to enter the sanctuary. Okay, this was a, a big deal for him. You know, maybe hadn't happened before in his priesthood. Maybe it would never happen again. So it was a really big deal. So now we read in Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. This is a New Living Translation. And it says, While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. So the angel goes on to explain about the life Zechariah's son would live. You know, he was supposed to drink no wine or uh, any alcoholic beverages. And he was going to be filled with more and more of the Holy Spirit. He was going to be an evangelist. And Zechariah goes on to present some facts to Gabriel. He says, I'm an old man. And Elizabeth, she's an old lady. Well, the angel gets a little testy at this. Okay, verses 19 and 20. The angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said... You will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Whoa. Well, as we read on in Luke chapter 1, we find that things happened 
just as Gabriel said. Old Elizabeth, she became pregnant. Okay, after many years of being harassed by the other women, especially, and being known as the barren one, it's a boy. Well, normally they wouldn't know that at that time, but Gabriel had told Zechariah that it was going to be a son. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 24, it tells us that Elizabeth, she went into seclusion for about five months. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 25, it says, How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. She's no longer the barren one. Well, what happened to Zechariah was not normal, okay? Because after these over 400 years, God was heard from. But Gabriel, he wasn't done. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, uh, this is from the Passion Translation. It says, during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you. And you are anointed with great honor. So, here we have a presumably powerful angel of the Lord, Gabriel, and an unmarried girl or virgin, believed to be eh, 13 to 16 years old, around there someplace. The Greek here for girl or virgin, as is used in the King James Version or other Bibles, is parthenos, which means a maiden, an unmarried daughter, or a virgin. Well, we go on in verse 29, and it says, Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. Really? Are you kidding me? Number one, people were just not seeing angels. Okay, that was not normal. And if an angel was to come, certainly not to some young girl, you know, would come to a, a prophet, to a, one of the Pharisees, you know, one of the priests, you know, somebody important, not to some teenage girl. And what this angel was saying was life-changing. The Lord is with me? Well, why me? Well, Gabriel was pretty sharp. Verse 30, he says, But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. Wow! A gift for me? I wonder what it could be. 
you know, maybe he's going to give me some goats or a, a donkey or maybe a gift that I can, can give to Joseph. Well, verses 31 and 33 change Mary's thoughts really quick. Because he starts out by saying, you will become pregnant with a baby boy. And you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. And the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever. And his reign will have no limit. Seriously? I wonder how much she heard after you will become pregnant. You know, I mean, her mind probably just went, whoa, I will become pregnant. Okay, you know, maybe next year after Joseph and I are married, you know, I gotcha. Okay, but I imagine Gabriel had to go over this more than one time. You know, had to, just had to really try to explain just what really was happening because Mary is able to gather her thoughts and respond in verse 34. But how could this happen? I mean, I'm still a virgin. <clears throat> you know, God, of course, he had this all planned out. And Gabriel knew the plan. And he gave it to Mary in verses 35 to 37. The spirit of holiness will fall upon you and Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your aged aunt, Elizabeth, has become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. You know, we don't know as Mary had any knowledge of Elizabeth. <coughs> Excuse me. If she knew of Elizabeth's pregnancy or that Gabriel had gone and spoken to, to Zechariah. But verse 38 gives us Mary's response. I have to think this encounter with Gabriel took more than 10 or 11 verses. There had to be some going back and forth before all of this sunk in to Mary. But here's what Mary had to say in verse 38. This is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. You know, this is my own thought, which sometimes is kind of off a wall. <coughs> but I kind of picture heaven like this. Okay, Gabriel's gone to Mary and started this conversation with her. And I can just picture God and Jesus sitting on the sofa with a bowl of popcorn between them, 
watching Gabriel while he's talking with Mary. And when Mary speaks, verse 38, saying, you know, this is amazing. I'll be the mother of the Lord. May everything you told me come to pass. I can, I can just imagine Jesus jumping up and shouting, all right, I'm going to earth. Man, I, I think she's going to be a great mom. You know, thanks for choosing her, Dad. I think she's really going to be great. Well, verse 39 tells us what happened next. Afterward, Mary arose and hurried off to the hill country of Judea, to the village where Zechariah and Elizabeth lived. You know, Mary's probably thinking, well, Gabriel told me that Aunt Elizabeth is pregnant after all these years. I mean, she's an old lady. I'm going to go check this out. You know, I mean, Gabriel seemed like a really nice guy, but I'm not too sure about this. So I'm going to see for myself. What happened with Mary was not normal. We got one more angel sighting in a little while. First, let me give you Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Okay, this is from the New Living Translation. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was in, engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, we don't know the time frame here. You know, we don't know when Joseph became aware of Mary's pregnancy. We don't know what kind of conversations there were between Joseph and Mary. But, you know, maybe it went kind of like this. You're pregnant? Yes. Well, who's the father? God. I imagine there was kind of a long silence where Joseph had to be thinking, I'm not too sure about this. So then the conversation maybe went on, so you're telling me that you're having a baby and that God got you pregnant. Yes, well, sort of, sort of. This angel came and you saw an angel and I suppose he spoke to you. Well, yes, he, he did. Just what did this angel have to say to you? This is exactly what he said. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow, overshadow you so the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. The Son of God? That's what he said. Wow, Mary, you know, that, that's an awful lot to take in. I, I'm just going to have to get back to you on this, okay? You know, I mean, my people will get hold of your people or something like that. So Joseph goes home and he's got a lot to think about. You know, he's got to be thinking, you know, could this be true? 
You know, or, or is Mary just some kind of nutcase? Or did she get into some old wine of some kind? Or, you know, uh, man, I just don't know what to do. I mean, think about it. Put yourself in Joseph's place. You know, we don't know how well Joseph and Mary knew each other because, you know, marriages at that time were a lot of times planned, you know, way in advance, not by the people getting married, but by parents. But so he's got to wonder, you know, well, was this really a good idea? I'm not too sure. But the story continues. Matthew 1 Verses 25, or excuse me, 20 to 25. <coughs> New Living Translation. It says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. <clears throat> Joseph, son of David, said the angel, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until after her son was born, and Joseph Joseph named him Jesus. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us if the angel was Gabriel or not. You know, I guess I like to think, since Gabriel had already been involved in this situation, that it probably was Gabriel. But we don't know. Doesn't matter. And the, the prophet that the angel is quoting is Isaiah. Uh, chapter 7 and 8. So another pretty not normal thing happened. But it had to happen that way. The way God intended. The way God had planned since before creation. If things had happened the normal way, it wouldn't be God. Even though God used normal people to do extraordinary things. Without Gabriel going and speaking to Mary, it would have been just normal. Without Mary believing what she was being told and rejecting God's decree, you know, that probably would have been kind of normal. And without an angel coming to Joseph, you know, it would have been just a, a normal thing. Without Joseph changing his mind about Mary and deciding to dump her, that, that would have been the normal thing. No, this whole thing was anything but normal. But isn't that how God works? Creation. I mean, that's not normal. Parting of the Red Sea? Really? I mean, we're talking about parting waters long enough for 
the wind to come and to, you know, dry up the land so they could walk through. Millions of people, probably, at that time. How about manna from heaven? That certainly isn't normal. Forty years wandering out in the desert and your clothes and your shoes don't wear out. <laughs> we know that's not normal. And giving sight to the blind, having those that are dumb being able to speak, giving life to the dead, those aren't normal. The possessed being free, people that hate beginning to love, sins being forgiven, hell and heaven as a choice, those things aren't normal. But that's our God. That's our God with us. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, his name is called Emmanuel. God with us, revealed in us, his name is called Emmanuel. Father, we just give you thanks that you did things your way and that you asked for no input from us because we'd have made a mess of it. You made it perfect. And Father, we just praise you for that. Lord, those of us that know you and love you, you know, these scriptures aren't new. They're words, they're passages that we've heard over and over again over the years. And just speaking for myself, Lord, I love to hear them one more time. Read them one more time. Read them in a, in a different version that maybe makes it sound just a little bit different and helps me to understand it a little bit more. But Lord, in this crazy year that we've been in, Lord, help us to see that you're doing things your way the way that things aren't normal. And Father, help us to make this Christmas mean more than any other Christmas that we've had. Help us to, to see that gift that you gave us on Christmas, that that's what we really need, is Jesus. And Lord, if there's somebody that's listening to this that, that doesn't know that, Father, help them to understand things for the first time that, Lord, they'll see that Christmas isn't about the gifts or the food or the parties or the booze or anything else. That it's, it's all about you. It's all about the gift that you've given to anybody that will accept it. And that means anybody. Because while we were still sinners, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. And that all we have to do is believe that, to believe that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he rose from the dead, and he's coming back. And we don't know when that is, so we better be ready today, because it may be today. It may be next week, next year, after we're long dead and gone. But that's okay. We need Jesus in our life today. So, Father, help us to maybe pray a prayer kind of like this. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. And you sent us one in your Son, 
Jesus Christ, not just a Savior, but the only Savior and the only way that we can get to heaven. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that he died for me and that he lives for me and that I can have eternal life with you. In Jesus' name, amen.